Dear subscribers, you are listening to the second episode of the podcast series on disability rights launched by the OSC project coordinator in Uzbekistan. For our second episode, we will have a chat with Mirjahan Turdiyev. Mirjahan is currently a researcher at Syracuse University pursuing his PhD on social science. He has an extensive professional and research experience in disability issues in Uzbekistan and he's internationally consulting disabled people's organizations and international development organizations. Good afternoon, Mirjahan. Hi, Matthew. Nice to hear you. Thank you very much. It's good to have you. So my first question for you is the following. Why do you think the topic of disability rights is an increasingly important topic for OSC participating states? And why should states care? Thank you. Uh, first, thank you very much, Matthew, for uh, having me on your podcast. It's a great pleasure for me to be here and speaking uh, with the audience of your uh, podcast. Okay, regarding your question, let's put it in context, right? The global context. The uh, world has been changing. There's a lot of countries globally going through uh, social and political transformation. Um, let's, as most of people, you know, working, let's say, in international development disability, they know, like most recent data on disability says there are uh, around 1 billion people live with disability in the world. And among those uh, 57 OSCE participating countries, there are a lot of uh, changes going on uh, over the many years, like including, uh, you know, humanitarian crisis situations or uh, related to natural disasters. All of them directly or indirectly um, contributing to the increase of persons with disabilities in those uh, OEC participating countries. So if OECE positions itself as a progressive uh, you know, institution and a structure that underpins inclusion in all of its operations, then inclusion means everybody, persons with disabilities. Uh, therefore, in OEC countries, as I said, the Progressively, the number of persons with disabilities are increasing, so their participation, their inclusion becomes more urgent. So therefore, the, uh, the states, which are in different states of development, I mean, I'm talking about the OECE states, there are different levels of development. For instance, like, you know, there are a lot of post-Soviet countries. Uh, they are still going on different, uh, you know, change, changing the economic, political and social uh, developments. So in, in the OEC states, the participation of persons with disabilities as uh, you know, OEC institutions also underpin, it's important for them, like inclusion in, let's say, in the human rights promotion, uh, democratic development, uh, like respecting the human rights, you know, let's, for example, like Office of Democratic, Office for Democratic Institutions and human rights. The mandate of this organization or this institution is to ensure that persons with disabilities also part of the political life. They are not discriminated. They are not excluded from the uh, policy elections in representing their, uh, you know, groups in the bigger, broader discussions, policy level discussions. 
So that's why uh, I think at the level of institutional uh, development in post, oh, I mean, including post-Soviet countries, but OEC states, participation of persons civils are, I think, important. Otherwise, such a big number of population will be excluded and their rights will be violated. That's why it's important. It's not only just big discussions. It's not only political discussion, but mechanisms are important. Uh, the mechanisms should be developed. For example, I can, uh, you know, give an example, like uh, one of the OEC member states, like Ukraine. Uh, I think they have uh, ratified the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities uh, in, our, in the early years once it was adopted but the the many countries can learn ukraine's experience of uh, institutionalizing the like that's an institution called presidential commissioner for rights of persons with disabilities uh like it's in, in line with the un convention on the rights of persons disabilities especially article 29 where participation in political and public life must be ensured by the, uh, these countries which ratified the convention. Uh, specifically, this commissioner for the rights of persons with disabilities in, in Ukraine uh, makes sure at the presidential level, the policies are proposed and the monitoring of all the policy implementations are in place. Uh, all the barriers are, uh, all the impediments are removed which may somewhat exclude persons with disabilities from political life. So as you see, among the OEC uh, participating states, it's a good platform to learn from each other. Uh, OEC is present in, let's say, like 57 countries at least as their uh, participating states. So they can you know, facilitate exchange from one country to different country. Uh, so again, as I said, why it's important, why I think OEC uh, should consider, I mean, OEC member states should consider the inclusion of persons with disabilities in their operations. It's again, many countries are going through political and social transformation as well as experiencing uh, lots of, uh, you know, humanitarian uh, emergency situations, crisis. And it's not a one day thing, it's ongoing, you know, persons with disabilities number increasing. Even so, without those uh, emerging situations, the person with disabilities always have been there. They should not be ignored. I mean, we know historically uh, there was different attitudes towards person with disabilities, you know, to exclude them, to ignore them, to neglect them, even not to count them as uh, human beings. But that's changing and that should change. So, you know, these institutions, as I said, you know, uh, Office for Democratic Institutions, uh, and human rights, or in other words, uh, ODIHR, is a strong institution structure that can facilitate, promote. Or, you know, we're talking about the uh, access, accessibility of expression, uh, you know, freedom of expression of persons with disabilities. That's also in line with the UN Treaty. Uh, specifically, the, you know, Article 9 talks about accessibility, or Article 29 talks about freedom of expression and opinion and access to information. As we know, in many countries, um, the personal disabilities still face uh, isolation, segregation from mainstream society, and access to information and communication means are fundamental right. And without the easy and uh, welcoming environment where they can express themselves, the inclusion and 
and in respect of their opinions cannot be considered. So that's why it's important in OAC members participating states uh, to consider this while they're going to change transformation uh, to you know, bring the rights of dignity of persons with disabilities into the development agenda. So that's why uh, I talk, uh, I try to, uh, you know, not only talk like it's important to understand, it's important to recognize, but also mechanisms of those understandings uh, to be practiced are important. Thank you so much, Merjahan, for your answer on this question and for your uh, very interesting insights on, um, on the situation. Um, my second question is the following. Could you please tell us about the e-course you are preparing on disability rights with the OSCE and why it is important that there will be a version in the Uzbek language? Thank you. Uh, yeah, well, well uh, let me connect with my you know, previous uh, statements to your first question. There is a logical connection to it. As I said, in the, uh, among the OSCE participating, sta participating states, uh, why we need this e-course, let's say, on the uh, disability rights. Again, without knowledge, without the empowerment, without understanding of the fundamental issues related to you know, rights of dis personal disabilities, it's hard to make real tangible change. So this e-course on disability rights is aimed at providing an opportunity for the OSCE uh, participating states, uh, partners like national partners or the you know, civil society organizations that they're working with, uh, as a parliament members or their own employees to understand how the mission and operations, uh, including the programs and projects of the OSCE can be directly related to the person's disabilities. So through this e-course, we try to demonstrate like specific areas where OSC operations, uh, you know, cover how rights of persons with disabilities are integral. Uh, you know, they cannot be, you know, they, are, they should be and they uh, fall under all parts of OSC's operations in all those countries. So, uh, you know, talking to people with disabilities in OEC participating states about their rights. First thing they mention is the talks or discussions, the debates are not always streamlined and they're not always uh, practiced consistently. I mean, in the big discussions they are discussed, but the lack of mechanism, lack of consistent knowledge at different structures. For example, like if you want to talk to the national members of the parliament or government officials or offices or ministries about the inclusion, about the rights of persons with disabilities, we need to increase their knowledge. We need to understand that their daily work, their daily operations should consider. It's like must be sitting in their mindset when they talk about any operations they should consider the rights of persons with disabilities. So that e-course is aimed at considering uh, those needs. And it includes different cases. Uh, it includes, uh, it's interactive course. 
So the persons with disabilities and uh, institutions, any like in civil society or government offices, they will go through the e-course. Like for example, if somebody working in education sector and the e-course on inclusive education will show some good cases and bring some issues and some problems and how they can uh, treat those problems. So e-course in Uzbek specifically, why I see it's important. Based on my previous experience and ongoing experience working with uh, persons with disabilities uh, in Uzbekistan, in, in general disability field, I came across with a situation where the many, many uh, capacity development, knowledge or learning opportunities uh, related to the promotion of the rights of persons with disabilities or their social inclusion are not accessible in Uzbek language especially the ones who live in remote areas, provinces, or living outside of the central cities like Tashkent, they are not able to access information and knowledge or let's say more advanced uh, learning opportunities in the language they are able to communicate, which is Uzbek language. I mean, the most of them, I mean, the currently the situation is changing. I've been observing many international partners, organizations trying to promote, uh, you know, the translation of the materials and the, uh, all these online events in Uzbek translation, but still marginal. So that's why it's important that this e-course will be in Uzbek language too, because empowerment process goes through learning and without empowerment of persons with disabilities as persons who I think should lead the change, it's important that we have this e-course in, in Uzbek language uh, because that's key. Language, access to language is, I think, fundamental right. Even not to only uh, receive the knowledge, but also be able to communicate freely in the language they're comfortable. Thank you so much, Mirjahon, for uh, your answer on this topic. And uh, we really look forward, of course, to having access to the e-course. Um, my third question to you will be the following. Uzbekistan re recently ratified the UNCRPD, as you said. It is, of course, an important step. And at the moment, over 180 UN member states have ratified it. Uh, what does the convention bring in terms of protection for persons with disability and why is the implementation essential? Thank you. Yeah, uh, thank you, Mary. This is actually an uh, interesting question, uh, which I want to answer this question with a little bit of uh, analogy. Maybe it may not be such a uh, Kind of realistic, but just to give it, uh, you know, analogy how I treat the CRPD, I mean, the you know, conventions ratification by Uzbekistan. So let me be, be uh, frank and honest here about the ratification of the CRPD by Uzbekistan. Uh, as you know, in Uzbekistan for last, I would say, 12 years since it's been signed in 2009 by Uzbek government, the 12 years took between the signals being signed and ratified the CRPD. But during these 12 years, different civil society organizations, individuals have been trying and advocating with the support of international partners, advocating the ratification, and finally we ratified. Uh, during that time, I was definitely was a uh, you know, supporter 
year of the ratification, but at the same time, I was trying to uh, set my expectations from the ratification. My expectations came from my experience working with you know, UN uh, Secretariat in the New York, Secretariat for the uh, UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. I was learning, I was observing other countries which already ratified, and I was observing how ratification impacted the lives of persons with disabilities in those countries, and what was problems, what was the process, and how CRPD uh, influenced it. Then my expectations came out from those experiences of other countries, taught me that the ratification of the CRPD itself is not like a magic stick that can change the entire situation overnight. Uh, yes, it's very important. It's very big political, symbolic, uh, you know, change and message uh, of the government's political will. But that does not—that's not enough to really change the lives of persons with disabilities and uh, you know, promoting the rights of their, uh, I mean, the rights of persons with disabilities. So what should happen is domestic laws should be really adapted, revised. More important is implementation mechanisms should be in place. For example, like you know, I say, if you bring the golden fish and drop it into the muddy lake, and you expect that all the you know species or all the fishes, everything will turn into gold because there's one golden fish, and that's not going to happen if other species don't want that change. So that's why in Uzbekistan, ratification is good, but what's next level is more important. Our laws, policies, really practically are in advance of the rights of persons with disabilities. Uh, they really promote, not at the kind of big discussion level, but practically, let somebody living in a village, rural part of Uzbekistan, should feel that CRPD has changed that person's life. Uh, I mean, the ratification of CRPD. And that, for that, Inclusion or strong civil society organizations of persons with disabilities is uh, crucial, but also the institutions like government institutions, structures, uh, coordination mechanisms are very important and resources to be in place are very important because they are the ones who, let's say we call it gatekeepers, right? Gatekeepers are the ones who should be open to change and recognize what is not working and what should work. So I really hopeful civil society organizations in Uzbekistan become stronger and they will be able to uh, communicate with international level institutions. For example, this CRPD ratification gave an opportunity for our civil society organizations to directly communicate with the UN Committee on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities to convey the, to uh, you know monitor the situation in the country, like in terms of rights of persons with disabilities, like what can happen. And there is a monitoring mechanisms comes from international organizations that can somewhat support the government institution at the same time to provide monitoring uh, power to the institutions, I mean, civil society institutions, which is, I think, 
important to consider while the Uzbekistan currently going through you know, political and social transformation to be more open, more democratic, and to uh, respect the rights of persons with disabilities. And it is going to take time. So I think the ratification of CRPD by Uzbekistan gives an opportunity for stakeholders, including the civil society institutions, to cooperate and engage with international level and uh, movements on the rights of persons with disabilities. Thank you so much, Mirjahan. And now let me turn to my last question, my fourth question, which is the following. Could you maybe give us actually a few examples of challenges faced by persons with disabilities and examples of solutions brought by states? I think it would be probably very interesting to our listeners. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, okay, let me start with a short survey I conducted last year about the rights of persons with disabilities in Uzbekistan. It was a short survey I conducted, and specifically I was uh, asking through the survey what kind of rights of persons with disabilities are violated and what they did. Once they, I mean, what their reactions was, like how did they react when they faced the, uh, their violation of their rights? Among many answers, the top, uh, I would say, issues where persons with disabilities facing as a violation of their rights were access to job, employment, and economic opportunities. Well, yeah, it's important uh, to consider because, you know, maybe it's one of the uh, major or fundamental issues persons with disabilities in Uzbekistan face, you know, like, you know, a right or opportunity for the, you know, survival or to meet the economic needs. Uh, so, but then the key point is here. Okay, when they face this kind of violation, what they did, that was more important for me to, to know. Like, okay, so they faced their rights of violation violated, they, you know, discriminated, but what happened next? What was their reaction? Interestingly, over 60% of those respondents did not approach to anybody, did not uh, you know, try to solve that problem. They just faced and they didn't do any further, uh, you know, claiming or raising the issue or, you know, approaching to any institution. So you see, it's a, it's a big number. It said to my, because what, it, what does it tell to me? We lack institutions where, let's say I would say like I'm a big promote, proponent of disability rights clinics should be there. Like, you know, person with disabilities can go and approach and, you know, get some help. So one example, uh, based on the uh, experiences from different countries, like in European countries, uh, institutions exist, like people can, Go when their rights are violated, they approach to the you know clinics or you know consultancy, you know, like they can advocate their rights at the court. But that's important that their institutions, the person with disabilities, can go like when they face this kind of uh, the violation of their rights. And another example I want to give about education, a right to education. It's an interesting case I want to share. It's, I think, very uh, relevant to many uh, countries uh, in the OEC participating states. So there's a case from Bulgaria. Uh, in Uzbekistan also, I say similar. Like there's have been a lot of attempts 
to promote inclusive education at the legislation level. You know, for many years, different international donors have been investing it, but it's not working. It's not consistently developing in many countries, including Uzbekistan. So what Bulgaria in Bulgaria they did uh, the program called the One School for All program. So what they did is. It's not just, you know, try to change on the laws and promote, you know, come and do training, but they did more comprehensive approach. So what they did is in, in this two-year program, they tried to, to make change at all levels, like culture, policies, practices at the school level to make these schools inclusive. So in basically, uh, what they did start is start with self-assessment by the whole school team against uh, like key indicators, like including like school leadership, classroom practices, partnership with parents and child safety. So this assessment results uh, helps them to prioritize their next works, like objectives, sets indicators for success. The school then uh, developed like inclusion action plan, then assigned roles and deadlines to the team. Then implementation plan and monitoring was developed after the assessment has been done based on the results of the assessment. So the plan is developed, reviewed and updated. It's not like one uh, static thing. It's ongoing, it's evolving process. They review, develop objectives and check if they're meeting their goals. So, you know, interestingly, they conduct the assessment, uh, you know, this assessment results show understanding of the concept of inclusive education among the teachers improved 34%. And the responsibility, like specific responsibility, you know, like what's the role of teacher? What's the role of administration in the school? Like understanding increased like by 32%. And teachers became more confident in communicating with the parents about the inclusive education, like about the inclusion of children with disabilities, and that increased by 14%. We're talking about the two-year program. The two-year program results show this kind of increase. And in, in one of the key factors here in inclusive education are the students accepting the students with disabilities. And that acceptance level of diversity increased by 26%. So as you see here, comprehensive approach. It's not just one coming talking to children or only parents or teachers or administrators or changing public. No, it's a comprehensive approach. I think this Bulgarian experience can be replicated in many countries and uh, uh, as a good case. And it's been recognized by international uh, programs. It's called uh, you know Zero Project uh, based in Austria. I think this is a good case. I can say uh, it's not, only uh, one institution level. It's more like intersectorial approach, uh, working towards inclusive education. That's come one example I can share, but there are more actually uh, we can share in future if there's an opportunity. Thank you so much, dear Mirjahon, for your uh, response on this topic and on, of course, providing this very telling example and very uh, good practice from one of the OEC participating states. Uh, Thank you very much, Jahan, for your time today. Uh, it was lovely to have you today as our guest. Uh, thank you very much, Matthew. Uh, it was a pleasure for me to be a guest at your uh, podcast. And I keep 
looking for more opportunities to share my experience and knowledge. Thank you. Thank you. Dear listeners, stay tuned for the next episode of our podcast series on disability rights by the OSC Project Coordinator in Uzbekistan. Have a good day.